Hello and welcome to Didian Hawthorne and the In-Between, your place for everything reading and language related. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gentz. Now bookmark that book and let's begin. Hello, hello and welcome to the show. Hello and herzlich willkommen zu unserem Podcast. You all, it has been a while since I have sat down and recorded an episode I pre-recorded a bunch of episodes, and then last week we did a repost of an episode that is very worthwhile to listen to on Flannery O'Connor on a short story in her novel, one of her several brilliant novels, I should say, uh, that I have worked my way through at various points, and today we are sitting down, finally, to do another weekly reading check-in and these are really interesting for me because not only do I get weeks where I can have touch points with my own reading but I also get to hear from all of you about where you are in your reading if you're reading 20 books in the year and you want to check in and make sure okay I've read four books by this check-in you are absolutely welcome to do that. Uh, That would be wonderful to hear from more people about where they are in their reading and what they've been reading. And all of those things will be covered today. I'm sure there uh, were a couple things that uh, I had forecasted in the last reading update. I think we did like week seven or week nine of the year couple months ago and I knew that there were five weeks in May so I wanted to do an update in May. Also I really wanted to do an update that was a bit more candid in the sense that last reading update it was the beginning of the year and historically I do very well with my reading at the beginning of the year. In May, May is uh, probably the hardest month for me as I am finishing final exams and all of these things. Uh, Northwestern is on the quarter system, so we don't end until mid-June usually, but May is definitely the month where I am doing the most (laughs) blunt work, so to speak, for my coursework. And so, therefore, I do not have much personal time to do the reading that I would normally love to do and cherish to do. Uh, in the rest of the year, and as I explained last episode, I do typically front load most of my reading throughout January and February. March gets busy, then I start reading a little bit more at the end of of March, start of April, and then I really don't read until that mid-June area (laughs) where I can finally have some time to myself and some personal time to do some reading. So I expect every year consistently over these past five years (laughs) I've done the reading challenge. This is my sixth year doing it. Um, I expect that I'm going to be a bit behind in May and I will talk about where I am (laughs) and what week it is, etc. in a minute. Alright, we are in week 21 of the year. This is the start of week 21 as I am publishing this episode. And the question is, of course, where am I at? What am I reading? So I have read, I've finished 19 books and 
I'm finishing my 20th book today, actually, <laughs> in my schedule. Um, so I'm one book behind, technically, as I start this week, which is completely fine. Uh, I'm actually in a much better position than I anticipated. Anticipated being like four or five books behind at this point. So I'm pretty stoked that I'm not actually that behind on my reading if I want to get to the 52 books by the end of the year. I should mention, by the way, that I do not include books that I read for courses in my reading list unless they are fiction or literature or something that I would read on my own time. And the reason why is I consider my personal reading and my almost public studying to be very separate things. Personal reading is sort of a challenge that I do for myself and my public reading is a challenge that's imposed on me by the academic system. <laughs> so I think I think it apt to separate these two categories of reading and I will say I do over 200 pages of reading a week for my academic studies, whether that's for music, linguistics, German, any number of different academic pursuits that I'm interested in. And so I don't think it fair to put my academic bodies of reading or books or textbooks within that list, uh, especially because they're so different. They read so differently than, for example, a novel or an autobiography or even a work of historical uh, a historical novel as well. I was going to say historical fiction, but that reads like fiction. So any sort of historical book, um, all of those read so differently than, for example, a textbook on anthropology uh, or on some facet of German history. That means, of course, that my 19, almost 20 books that I've finished are books that I've read on my own time outside of all of these other pursuits, uh, which again, I'm extremely happy and I will also mention at this point extremely privileged to be in a position to be able to afford or have access to all of these books. I know that a lot of people have a harder time reading especially as much contemporary fiction as I do because of the expense or because it takes a while for contemporary fiction to be available at libraries sometimes, so while I have done the work to be at this place in my reading and at this place in my analysis, for instance, of literature, my knowledge of it, uh, I have to acknowledge that there are systemic things behind that that have contributed throughout my life to being able to be so active in this field. There was one post-COVID slash COVID transition error that I made in this term. In particular, the term goes from the middle of March to the middle of June. And that error was the commute back to campus that I have been uh, doing daily for the last nine or ten weeks. And right, it's a classic error of you forget when you're online how much time you do actually spend on commutes. I don't think it justifies, by the way, 
increasing the workload online. I know a lot of, especially high school and other secondary school administrators have been really active in campaigning for more work since there's less time commuting, etc. that the students are doing. I don't think that's the solution. Uh, Sachin and I talk at length about this on our Patreon episode. That was for March 2021. We talk at length about this theme that's been coming up in the media and in um, especially the scholarship lately about how COVID and online learning has created a distaste for learning in younger kids and uh, to the extent that we ourselves felt that distaste as well because of this online system and I will add the increased workload. And so interestingly, <laughs> you know, I in the fall, in fall of 2020, one of the main reasons that I didn't finish the year of 2020 with as many books as I had hoped. I was aiming for 60 books. I think I ended at 54 or 56 or something like that. Um, the reason why I didn't, I wasn't able to really push through, and I, I guess I could have, but <laughs> it wasn't, I wasn't in a great position to do that at that point, was the academic coursework was so rigorous but not in the sense that it was intellectually rigorous it was just literally the workload slogging through as much work as i was given was incredibly difficult so i'm not bringing this example up to complain uh or even to <laughs> pay my dues to that very interesting term uh, in fall 2020, but I am using it to say that sometimes life happens and there are things that come up like the added commute that I've been doing, which I'm so grateful for, by the way. I really love uh, being able to ride my bike and commute uh, on the bus if I need to, especially since it's really beautiful out in Chicago all of a sudden. Um, and I love the cold as well, so it's it's sort of a win-win for me as long as I get outside. In any case, you can't always account for those kinds of changes or those kinds of demands on your time that happen. And the beautiful thing about them, typically, at least in my case, is that they're seasonal. They're not here forever. And some of it is about making time, right, for reading, and we talked about at length in the episode that we published many weeks ago, which is making sure that you are using spare, like, waiting time, for example, effectively, that you're reading for bed or reading first thing in the morning. All of these little smaller scale habits build up to create a whole that's very desirable, right? 20 books a year, 50 books a year, whatever it is for you. And it's about setting a goal that fits not only with your lifestyle, but with your intention and with your values. So we talked at length about building those things in, as I said, but there's also something to be said at this point in our reading challenge and in our discussion about personal goal setting and personal achievement in reading where you have to be flexible and you have to learn how to adapt 
and being successful, whatever that term means to you, right? Because you get to set your own boundaries in this kind of a challenge. Being successful is contingent on being able to keep your momentum or whatever semblance of momentum you can hold on to while you go through these harder moments. And the seasonality, the momentariness of these weeks that are a bit more difficult is what makes them particularly beautiful in their challenge and in their pseudo hardship with keeping up with these kinds of reading goals. So I'll give a couple, I'll stop being esoteric and I'll give a couple of uh, personal examples. One is, of course, I talked about the commute. Um, I bike most of the time, but when I'm not biking and I'm taking the bus, I will do an audiobook. A couple of books that I finished in the last few weeks have been audiobooks. I reread, for example, Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art, which is an extremely transformative book. I would 190 billion percent recommend it if you are interested in it. It is uh, one of those books where if you are in a place where you are thinking about doing a reevaluation of what you want to do for your career, etc., and you don't know where to start, that is the book to start with. And even if you want to be an accountant and you're not currently in accounting, uh, you should definitely read it. It's not a book for artists entirely. It is a book about art and about the pursuit of things you love. But if you want to do something, again, like accounting, something just different but not artistic, this book is still for you. I wouldn't let the title or the descriptions of it waylay you in that regard. Um, it's a life-changing book and I've talked about it so often on the show by now that um, you can definitely go to other episodes to learn more about it. Other adaptations I've made, you know, sometimes I am so tired at the end of the day that I can only read one page of My Education by Susan Choi, which is the book that I'm finishing currently, and that's okay. Sometimes you, by necessity, need to sharpen the saw, to use a Stephen Covey term, then you need to continue forward on your goal. And for me, reading one page and getting my full nine hours of sleep every night is more important to me than reading 30 pages and only getting eight hours of sleep, for example. That's not a very good page to minute conversion, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Um, it's one of those, it's really, a, I would say, a daily practice and a daily pursuit in the sense that you might not make adequate or, I don't want to use the word adequate, you all, you might not make impressive progress by your own standards every day, and that's okay. What matters, at least in my experience doing these kinds of reading challenges, is making consistent progress. Also, I would say not judging yourself if you are not making that great of progress. There was a really great story that my roommate was telling me about a music director who asked the group that they were playing in, what makes people fall out of love with their instruments? And the answer to that, that this music director had found, 
was that the people who fall out of love with their instruments, playing their instruments professionally, for example, never learn how to transition from being hypercritical of their mistakes to being curious about their mistakes. And this is something that you can absolutely pass on to this kind of reading in the sense that falling out of love with something that you love, whether it be playing an instrument at a professional level, whether it be reading 52 books a year, whether it be uh, crocheting, whatever it is, it could be because you never learn how to give yourself grace enough to continue. Because if you wear yourself down, then you're going to start putting up mental blockades, right? This is very inner game of tennis, that start getting in your way of even starting that thing. And so something that when you were 10 years old, you kept reaching for, I want to play violin, I want to play violin more and more and more. When you're 18 or 19 years old, and you're hypercritical of yourself, and you have very little self-confidence in your playing, even though you're a semi-professional or professional player, psychologically, your brain is going to try to protect you and protect that you from that hurt and that pain enough to where you're not going to want to reach for it in the same way. You're going to want to reach for it out of obligation, out of continuity, out of... Uh, guilt at the expense perhaps or the time spent and that erodes your ability to perform in a way that is with reckless abandon which is what we really need most in the world and so with reading if you make mistakes or if you don't pick up a book for a week and you're trying to read 52 books a year, I would give yourself grace. Grace enough to continue and to say, it's not a week lost, it's a week gained. And there's a reason why I didn't pick up a book last week, which is because I couldn't bring as much to it as I needed to, or I was so tired that I needed sleep more than I needed to read. And those things are okay because they posture you to approach that new skill with more experience, with more wisdom, and with more love than you had before. And so again, wholeheartedly, I have to say it's okay if you miss a couple weeks reading, if you get behind on your reading. And it's so, so important to give yourself grace with those things because you need to give yourself grace enough to continue. All right, y'all, that is it for this week, shorter episode, but we will be back. Another quick tip for this episode would be to get a group together and read together, even if it's online at this point. And that reading group sometimes gives you the motivation, right? A little external nudge to get your reading done. And next week we'll be going over a Jade the Libra book club 
that I followed and I thought it would be fun and it absolutely was. So we'll get into that and why you should join a book club in next week's episode. All right, auf Wiedersehen. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to hear more from us, we've done everything from Shakespeare to Dracula. There really is a show and a series for everyone, so I'd recommend checking out our website at relevanceofliterature.com under the ongoing series tab for links to our entire back catalog of episodes, as well as any current goings-on of our show. If you are looking for even more content, we also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash relevanceofliterature. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll see you next time.